Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. And we're live. We're live. We're live. We're live. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday 4 o'clock New Zealand time cryptocurrency chat with the crypto lark. Welcome everybody. Please bring in your questions. We're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of fun things today. What are some of the interesting use cases that are developing for blockchain technology? Talking about some of the recent uh, activity geopolitically and of course discussing a bit of psychology about how all of this crazy stuff does work. Welcome to the chat, everybody. Mr. Harry Lozani in the house, 69 Steph. Welcome, 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 everybody. Life Size Box, Crypto Rose. Great to see you all here for the chat. Now, I just want to make a couple announcements before we dig into the news and everything going on. Next week, we're changing the time of the stream. It's going to be at 2 p.m. New Zealand time. So let's let let's all you guys over on the East Coast, USA get in a bit earlier so we'll be changing the time until the time zones change back again so make sure you guys hit that like button helps everyone out there on youtube know that we're live streaming so they can come and join the party as well also i hope you guys have been keeping tabs on what we've been doing for the channel recently we got some a cool new logo part of the you know improving the brand process if you will also had some great bitcoin bear memes i've been putting out on twitter and facebook so go over there and check those out if you haven't seen them yet hit the retweet button if you think they're funny and of course i hope that you all watched my video where i shared the secrets on how to become a bitcoin millionaire <laughs> a lot of fun making that video for you guys so i hope that you guys did enjoy that Brian Cave in the house. How's it going? How's it going? The Bitcoin market is down 17.86%. Ouchers. <laughs> That's some tough times, guys. But I wanted to get into some reverse psychology with you guys for a few minutes before we, you know, examine the markets a little bit more. Because I remember... Uh, maybe only two months ago, definitely back December, January, a lot of people were saying, gosh, if only, if only the prices would go back to the prices that they were at back in August of last year, September of last year. Oh, the Bitcoin I would have bought if I could have bought at those prices. Well, I have great news for you. <laughs> we're back to those prices. But instead of people being excited about that opportunity, there's this real psychological thing that goes on because 
when we see the market going down, we get concerned, whereas when we see the market going up, we get really excited and want to go buy. If you go back to, um, let's say, the start of autumn last year, where we saw this move upwards in Bitcoin and people were buying in and they got some, some uh, you know, really great gains out of those. Well, that was, it was, it was easier psychologically because the market was going up. You were seeing more and more green, right? And now, of course, it's a bit farther on. DJ Chahal says, nah, it's because we bought at the all-time high and now to buy at this low is really worrying. Well, yes, there are a lot of people who did buy at the all-time high, but you have to remember, people have bought at the all-time high every time it's been at the all-time high. And you think about all the people who bought at the all-time high leading up to the high in December, well, they might have all felt, oh, God, I bought at the all-time high when I bought it at 6000 or 7000 or 8000 or 9000 or 10000 for example. And, of course, things turned out okay for them. I think... For a lot of people, though, they don't take that sort of uh, maybe longer-term vision that you really need here. You do have to remember, guys, this is new technology. The idea behind Bitcoin is part social movement, not just, not just freeing yourself and having this easy way to send money back and forth across nations and between people, but it's actually about disrupting the way that finance and all this stuff has worked traditionally, the way that money has been moved, the the gatekeepers for money are changing. You're becoming the gatekeeper, guys. <laughs> CryptoLark, I'm hodling on my Nebulio at $44. <laughs> you need to believe, says CryptoRose. Amen. Harlequin says, bought the all-time high, cost averaging while buying going down. That's how it's done, guys. Dollar cost averaging. And as a bit of perspective for everyone here, one Bitcoin is still worth, amazingly, one Bitcoin. Fascinating. <laughs> I suppose, look, I know that dollars are important. I know that yeah, you got to pay your bills. And imagine if you're doing only crypto, well, you got to be cashing out on crypto no matter what price it is in order to, you know, pay the rent and buy food and all this stuff. But I guess it, there's so many different reasons to be in crypto. And if you're in crypto for trying to get a few more bucks out of it, cool. But a lot of people that you see as long-time Bitcoin traders, their sole reason for doing all this is to acquire more Bitcoin. And that's an interesting uh, conceptualization when you think about it. It's not about trying to get more dollars. It's about trying to get more Bitcoin. Because who wants the dollars which are depreciating every time. Yeah, maybe you need to cash out to buy some things once in a while. Unfortunately, Bitcoin is not very widely accepted yet, but it's getting more and more acceptance all the time, even though we see these sort of back-and-forth battles happening between people who want to accept things, uh, cryptocurrencies, people who don't want to accept cryptocurrencies, and so on and so forth. There's without a doubt a lot of drama when it comes down to that. But 
the overall trend is up. And even though, yeah, okay, currently we're in the situation where not as many people are interested because it's not gaining 10% every day or something like that, that is something different. But the overall trend for Bitcoin is one where we're moving towards more and more adoption of Bitcoin. You guys in the chat are talking about the cartel. Yes, there was an interesting article written recently talking about the cartel, the dark forces behind Bitcoin. Well, <clears throat> look, if you guys honestly didn't think that there was manipulation going on by the banks, this is why I say, you know, or my personal feeling with Bitcoin at the moment is, goodness gracious, don't sell your Bitcoin now. You're just selling it to the banks, guys. Yes, there are bank there is bank manipulation going on in the back. Crypto numbnuts, what's up, man? There is definitely this situation going on where they want to get as much of this as possible. But look, it's not simply about the Bitcoin futures. Yes, when institutional money starts coming in, we will see as more institutional money comes in, that is, we will see this situation where there's going to be manipulation but traditional investors look at the cryptocurrency market they realize the volatility and they also realize how easy it is to manipulate these markets and they go wow there's so much money to be made here we can easily manipulate the markets and so they do <laughs> of course they do guys these are the growing pains of the cryptocurrency market this is something that we do have to deal with moving forward Happy Easter, by the way, for everyone who uh, is still in Easterland. Not many of you guys now I think it's uh, finished in almost all time zones. Just a few in uh, the western portions of the USA, I suppose, still to go. <clears throat> Take from the poor and give to the rich, says Crypto Rose. Indeed, Aruni. It actually gives you a very interesting picture, too, when you start looking at the Bitcoin values of things instead of the dollar value of things is they actually start to realize, hey, wait a second, some of these cryptocurrencies are actually doing pretty well, or at least decently, uh, in comparison to Bitcoin. Yeah, Ethereum's taken a beating. It's down 10.84%. But if you look at EOS, it's up on the week. Stellar. Stellar's doing very well. Oh, Stellar. Stellar's doing very well. Binance Coin's still up over 8% on the week. Verge is popping for some reason. Ontology up 68.62%. There's a lot of people who are very, very excited about ontology right now. So when you start to think of that, well, then there, you know, there's still a lot of potential here for that. Great days. That's why big money control mass media at Google. My friend asked me, how is crypto going? He didn't see any info on Ryan recently to get prices as low as possible. Pivx, says Mr. Harry Lasagna. Oh, Pivx. Ah, my favorite privacy coin. Now, look, you bet your bottom dollar that there is serious, serious stuff going on in the back scenes, guys, because one of the big things, you when you start to realize what is up with Bitcoin, then you start to realize why governments and banks are scared of cryptocurrencies why they don't want you to have cryptocurrencies why would a bank not do everything in its power to stop people 
from using something that's going to totally disrupt their business model. So right now you have the situation where the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, really what it is, the U.S. dollar is underpinning all of the global financial system. They are running a game, a very serious game, and they're using violence to enforce the utilization of that currency. But then Bitcoin came out, and whoever Satoshi Nakamoto is, it's no wonder that their identity has stayed anonymous for all this time. You don't think that the U.S. would have locked this person up a long time ago? Bet your bottom dollar they would have, because it is a direct threat to their power, guys. When global transactions will be able to easily take place in Bitcoin, it's going to be a game changer. We're already seeing exchanges which are offering global commodities markets based in Bitcoin. Why do you think that there was an immediate sanction on the Venezuelan Petro? Now look, I'm not saying that the Petro is awesome or Venezuelan government's awesome or any of that stuff, guys. But the reality is they came out and sanctioned that immediately because it's a threat. Because what are they proposing to do? We're going to trade oil in a cryptocurrency. We're not going to trade oil in dollars, but in a cryptocurrency. So this is always something you guys have to keep in mind when you see all these negative news articles coming out saying Bitcoin's going to go to zero or it's being used for money laundering and all these different things. You have to keep this in mind, guys. Abe says, is that an ONT t-shirt? No, this is a props t-shirt, by the way. Picked some up when I was in uh, New York City, so... A great project, of course, working on the decentralization of media, which is, of course, very important in these times. Now, we are seeing some very interesting use cases for cryptocurrencies come forward that are really going to shake things up, guys. And Bitcoin is perhaps the largest existential threat to the power system. If we think about how if people are using Bitcoin to transact and not the U.S. dollar, or if they're using Bitcoin to buy their houses and all these different things, well, it's a real problem for the banks and for the governments, of course. Cole says, are you still a NEM fan? NEM with Tony is taking a break from NEM. <laughs> oh, no, that's a bad, that's bad for NEM with Tony. That's, that's, that's the name of his channel, man. <laughs> but I still love NEM, man. NEM's still a great project. We've got some cool ICOs coming out uh, on NEM here in the near future. I think one starting like the next day or something. I think it's a fun platform. So, look, NEM, NEM has been doing, even though the price action isn't always as hot as people might like it to be, the reality is, is that they are a very busy blockchain working on bringing out good projects all the time. <clears throat> Cyber Police. 40% of the ICOs established last year have failed already. Where did you get that number from? Would be my first question, but nevertheless, one thing to always remember when talking about ICOs, guys, you are often investing in startup companies. That's what you need to realize. This is part of the game when it comes to ICO investing. And when you invest in a startup company, Startup companies do fail from time to time. 
So please keep that in mind. The ICO game is definitely one where there's some massive profits, but also where there's some massive risk. Something to keep in mind, guys. Charlie McKay asks, one good price at the moment. Depends on what price you want to pick up. One for Charlie. Personally, I'm trying to get it for a little bit lower than it's at at the moment. Fingers crossed. You got to watch out for FOMO. I think their FOMO is a pretty strong force right now for uh, WAN Chain, for example. But Alan asks, is the ICO game dying though? No way. Mm-mm. Far from it. The ICO game is far, far from dying. There is a crazy amount of money coming in for ICOs at the moment. Venture capital firms are investing big time in ICOs. You bet your bottom dollar that the ICO industry is way, way away from dying. In fact, it's only growing. If you go and look at how many ICOs are coming out, crazy, guys. Ron says, thanks, Lark. I must be addicted to listening to your fascinating chat on my holiday in Tel Aviv instead of lying on the beach. Ah, you have plenty of time to lie on the beach later. <laughs> you can go away and think about some uh, interesting crypto thoughts. <laughs> okay. Now, some interesting use cases have come out here recently. I did want to talk a little bit about those with you guys today. The guys over at Qtum, they've got a dApp running. It is called Viviu. A an indie rom-com called No Posteds Necessary is being distributed via a peer-to-peer -peer video network. This could really be the future of content distribution. You think about movies, for example, and I look at the movies that come out of Hollywood, and I don't go to the movies very often for the simple reason that most of it's absolute rubbish. And why is it absolute rubbish? Because rubbish is what sells right now. They've got a formula. You know, rehash same old superhero film, for example. Reboot Spider-Man five times. Why would you come up with a new concept that isn't proven to make money? And because of this, we don't get a very interesting diversity of films coming out. But... If we can decentralize that process, instead of having the gatekeeper be some, you know, 60-year-old dude who's been in Hollywood for 40 years, I know a thing or two about making films, son. Yeah, you know about making money from your films, but do you know about providing actual good films that do anything for the world? Well, not necessarily. And if we think in a, a world where we can have more interesting content, well, then we can certainly start to see projects like this become very, very useful and interesting. Also, uh, LiveTree Adept is doing something similar. This will grow. Swift partnership with Stellar is coming. Haven't heard about that. I heard that uh, some different things, but not that. Used to live in Hollywood. Do I need to watch Black Panther before what? <laughs> I've heard about this Black Panther film, guys, but I've never seen it, so. 
You'd be crazy to think that this bear market doesn't have any more legs, says Vikrant. This was a bubble to begin with, not saying it's a scam, but at the moment it is way overvalued, says Vikrant. Can't say I fully agree with you there, but the the bears are definitely out in force right now. There's a lot of FUD coming on, guys. Personally, I am hodling. I am not looking at getting out of any positions. So, y'all gotta make your own decisions, though. You know what kind of liquidity you have or need in your lives. So, okay. On to the next one. This is another upcoming NEM ICO. Empowering people through education. Now, look, I'm not, this is not an official endorsement or any of that stuff. I've have done very little research into this project, but the main idea here, paying people to go to school, interesting. Education is one of the most important things that you can do for somebody to give them a good education. Unfortunately, now in a lot of the Western world, we have a situation where education doesn't really give you much of an education. You're not taught important skills like critical thinking, how to deal with money, how to rely on yourself or any of this stuff, or even the deep technology stuff that you really need to know moving forward. And so if you could imagine a situation where instead of going to school, going to university, getting a massive debt, unless you happen to have rich parents, most people live in a state of basically debt slavery, which is insane in our modern era. Education should be free. So this is really important, guys. And if you can actually flip the model on its head instead of you having to pay, they pay you to study. Well, it's very interesting. It's an interesting concept. Again, I haven't looked in massively to the ICO, but this kind of idea is what cryptocurrencies are all about. Flip the current model on its head, and we see this happening so many times with cryptocurrencies, guys. Data, instead of your data being stolen by a big corporation, you can now own and monetize your own data. You can keep it if you want, or you can sell it if you want. So there you go. Education is an industry in the USA, not good. Yes, pay the kids for good grades. The rich do it for their kids. Education should not be an industry. There are certain things that are industries now that really shouldn't be industries, guys. Because this stuff is so institutionally important to society. Yeah. Cyber police, Lark, how screwed are Facebook and Google when decentralized platforms allow us to monetize our data? Big time. Big time. That's that's how screwed they are. Look, they still they have such big war chests. They have the potential to change their models. But I look at Facebook, for example, and it's a terrible platform. YouTube, and yes, I know we're on YouTube right now, guys, I get that, but it's also not a very great platform <clears throat> because the reality is we have to have these decentralized options, options that are above censorship because the censorship is real, guys. It happens all the time on these platforms. 
And to see them coming out saying, well, we're going to try to protect people by banning all these cryptocurrency ads. Well, who are they really protecting at the end of the day? So, yeah, we've got to see the centralization move on. Uh, there's an idea. It's uh, peak centralization, essentially, that we are reaching a point of really the high point of centralized services. And as decentralization becomes more and more prevalent, it'll start to spread out. Lark, could you try and get us an interview with the VEZT team, please? I've never even heard of that project, except for now. So, maybe, maybe not. Don't know. If they're a good project, then yeah. <laughs> Beans Bottom, watching you on YouTube through the Bat browser, do you see any Bat from it? I do indeed, Beans Bottom, and I really appreciate uh, anyone who is watching my show over on their Brave browser. I certainly appreciate that. I did get a, I got my payout and uh, basic attention tokens uh, the other day, actually, for the month of, uh, I think, February or something. So that's really cool. It definitely does help, guys, without a doubt. The purpose of decentralization is censorship resistance. If you aren't afraid of a government censoring you, odds are you don't need a blockchain. It's an interesting idea, Corey, because a lot of people always bring this out in the privacy argument, and it's really quite similar here. Um, they say, well, I'm not worried about being censored. I'm not doing anything wrong, or I'm not worried about my privacy. I'm not doing anything wrong, and all these different arguments that come up. And really, you have to take it as a principle. Privacy needs to be a principled stance. You are entitled to the privacy of yourself, the privacy of your data. You are entitled to say the things that you want to say. But the reality is that right now, you have to go through centralized services. And if you're using these centralized services, they're going to be controlling what you do. Your privacy is a right. Your data is a right. And when you give those rights away, that's it. And everybody says, well, I don't care about my privacy until it matters to you. And this is the thing. At some point, that's going to matter to you. It might not matter today. It might not matter tomorrow. It might matter in 10 years. It might never matter in your life. It might matter in your children's lives. But when that situation happens, would you have wanted to have been on the side of, well, I was all about centralization, censorship, and giving away all my data and privacy? Doesn't sound very cool, does it? Or would you want to be on the, the, the probably the right side of history moving forward because it's going to be so difficult for the centralized powers to stop this, and they are trying to stop it. You don't think all this FUD's coming out of nowhere, do you? Okay, on to the next one. Voting on the blockchain. I know there's a lot of people out there who think that voting on the blockchain will never happen, but it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. And uh, Lark, are you an advisor for any crypto? I am not an advisor for any cryptocurrency projects. Some, plenty of them reach out, but I don't know. I like to kind of stay in the middle, guys, and be unbiased when it comes to being directly connected with any particular cryptocurrency project. You know, I like to talk about the ones that I like to talk about, and I don't want to sort of get in there and be like, I'm advising this one. Ah, it's, they, can, they have plenty of people out there to advise them. People with way more uh, 
knowledge on um, cryptocurrencies and ICO markets and all this stuff than I do, even though I, you know, try to learn a lot. But it's a constant learning process, guys. Now, as far as voting on the blockchain, West Virginia becomes the first state to implement mobile voting solution, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. You go, West Virginia. Keep it classy, without a doubt. This is going to be big, and it, I think it's important because it just takes away all of that BS about, well, voter fraud or whatever it might be. Everybody needs to have the ability to go out and vote. We've seen laws be passed in the U.S., for example, that tries to disenfranchise, for example, um, lower class people people without as much access to money or whatever it might be. And yeah, it's it's going to take a while before we see real big implementations of this, guys. We do have a lot of um, distance to move when it comes to actually getting, you know, grandma to get her ID on the blockchain so that she can vote. I get that. I get that, guys. It's uh, certainly problematic. But nevertheless... This is what's coming. Nice, verified voting processes. And I think it'll actually get to actually be to the point where if a country doesn't have voting on the blockchain, they'll kind of be outliers. So, nevertheless, it's, it's definitely going to be big. And yes, uh, DJ said that Horizon State is working on that. They're working on that. Uh, I think they've just signed a deal on the island of Sumatra in Indonesia to be working on that. So, it's big time, guys. And actually, interestingly, Russia plans on securing elections with blockchain technology. Very interesting. Now, look, I know a lot of you out there probably have negative opinions on Russia, and I'm not saying that Russia is the perfect country or anything like this, but if they were to come out and say, hey, we're going to be doing our elections on the blockchain, that would be pretty awesome. Because it would remove all those accusations of voter fraud, for example. And so that would be really, really cool. Obviously, there's the different situation in Russia of United Russia crushing uh, political opposition. That's a problem. That's off of the blockchain. <laughs> That's a different story. But if you could have the actual election itself verified on the blockchain, this would be awesome. And it would be super awesome if Russia was the one to be doing that. I think that would add a whole nother level of kind of awesomeness and legitimacy to it and to see a big state like Russia doing blockchain voting awesome that would be really really cool definitely would make all western countries have to play the catch up game so look a plan is one thing will we actually see that rolled out in the next uh, federal elections for example time will tell guys but this would be really exciting if it does uh, end up happening. Mike Shee, does Lark live in the USA? I live in New Zealand, man. I live in New Zealand. Wellington, New Zealand is my home. <laughs> Lark lives in Larklandia. <laughs> uh, in my head, anyway. <clears throat> uh, a concerning story from Kazakhstan, but 
if we look at this in the context of everything we've been talking about so far, Kazakhstan may ban cryptocurrencies citing money laundering concerns. Of course. <laughs> it's the cryptocurrencies problems, guys. It's definitely not the banks and all the oligarchs who are doing the money laundering. Let's, let's blame Bitcoin for it. Now, look, this is an unfortunate story. This is a May ban cryptocurrencies. Let's wait until the, the pudding is set, so to speak. But if they do do that, that would be an unfortunate backstep for Kazakhstan. They had actually been moving rather forward in a positive way in their relationship to cryptocurrencies. So this would be a, a negative for them if they were to do that. In fact, the Waves platform signed an agreement with the government of Kazakhstan to help, you know, implement blockchain technology and all that stuff. <clears throat> Rand says, pretty sure Putin buys his votes. Not judging, though. You know, Rand, the interesting thing is I lived in Russia for years. People there legitimately love Putin. So when, when Putin wins an election with like an 80% uh, result, I'm not surprised because 80% of people you talk to really, really like Putin. So that's something to uh, keep in mind. But nevertheless, like I said, voting on the blockchain would be pretty awesome. Great Days said, when will you create your dev group community? Uh, you contact the main crypto people. They might want to get over the same challenges. Your community could change the crypto world. Thank you, Great Days, for that. We're definitely working on it in the, in the background here. So they um, definitely that website is going to be coming out here in the next few months guys with a lot of free educational materials and we're going to try and really build the idea from there moving forward and try and you know bring more and more people into and working with different influencers in the space too you know uh, another shout out to the guys at decentralized tv they're already working on decentralized media solutions yen.io go and sign up there for the updates Keep an eye on what those guys are doing. The Sandington brothers are some smart cookies, so you should be watching out for anything that they do. Peter himself has come out with multiple uh, successful companies already, so I'm very happy to see what they do moving forward. <laughs> okay, on to the next story. Now, this is an interesting idea about mindset and cryptocurrencies. Now, this is actually from uh, Management article, but I actually thought the infographic was really quite hot, um, point on when it comes to cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology overall. So we are seeing a move in, yeah, I know there's a lot of profit being made out there in the cryptocurrency blockchain space, guys, but we also see a lot of companies coming out and they're creating non-profit foundations, for example. They're trying to actually have these higher goals to an extent like yeah of course they want to get paid too they're not it's not a charity but it's not just about making money at any cost and that to an extent is what has come undone with our current economy is that it is just no matter what it takes we got to turn a profit well yeah you can still make a profit by having a purpose and trying to do something positive and so that's perhaps something we really apply to that space hierarchies we need to change this as well into networks and this is everything we've been talking about so far we have all these hierarchical systems that are 
a broken model for the economy of the future. It doesn't work for the economy of the future. We need networks, we need communities coming together, we need communities forming around different ideas, and because of the internet, we can have communities that are not just geographic communities, but we can have interest-based communities and all these different things coming out, so that's really cool. Right now, we have a controlling system, and of course, we want to be in the empowering system that empowers you to control your data, to be your own bank, to have a decentralized most things actually. Cole says, I heard Jed McCaleb may be Satoshi. What do you think? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Jed McCaleb, if any of you guys don't know, he is the co-founder of Ripple and the co-founder of Stellar as well. So he's certainly been involved with some very interesting projects, but I don't know if he is the, if he is Satoshi. He's being very quiet about it if he is. <laughs> If he is Satoshi, not only does he have, like, I don't know, 10% of Ripple or something like that, but he's also got a million Bitcoin locked up. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> not to mention, of course, his uh, shares in Stellar as well. He'll be one loaded dude. <laughs> uh, Dan says we should all get together and say that Bitcoin is worth a million dollars. All right. Bitcoin's worth a million dollars. Bitcoin's worth a million dollars. The thing is, Dan, you're right. Bitcoin is worth a million dollars. And I think that's an important concept for everyone to perhaps think about a little bit is it's what something is worth and what people are currently paying for it are not necessarily the same things, guys. Really, stop, step back and think about that for a second. What do you believe the overall value of Bitcoin and the underlying technology and the ability of Bitcoin to be a global currency, to be your own bank, to empower international remittances and on and on and on and on and on what is the value of that interesting question now of course we're also seeing a lot more transparency um, being brought in by cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology as well as of course experimentation this is actually what brings us to our next idea hyper tokenization interesting this is the idea that we are seeing tokenize everything and i'm not against this idea i know some people out there are a little saltier uh, than i am when it comes to all these different icos that are coming out and their use cases or their potential use cases but I'm a little more open-minded when it comes to this. I am about the experimentation. And yes, look, we're talking about these are startup companies you're investing in. When you invest in an ICO, you need to be aware that investing in startup companies is a highly risky business. Nevertheless, there are all these interesting use cases for tokens that we see coming out. And some of those use cases are going to suck. They are. And even if you think they're really cool, the market might not be ready for it, or the market might simply not want it, etc., etc., etc. Seb Fox, people were very salty when they didn't get into the next ICO. You know, I didn't get into the next ICO. I didn't get accepted in the lottery. I'm not salty about it, though, because you know what? Honestly, yeah, okay, there's some money potentially made there, all that jazz. I am really uh, happy with the way that they did their ICO. I like the lottery model. I think it was very fair. And you might not like it if you didn't get in. 
but I still like it. Even though I didn't get in, I still think it's a good model. I think that the guys over at Nex are conducting a well-run ICO, so even if you didn't get in, you have to respect what they're doing, and I respect what they're doing. There are so many use cases for tokens, actually, that I think we haven't even really started to see yet. And we're seeing all these new ICOs. I think in the month of April alone, there's like 100 ICOs coming out or something. Maybe more. Maybe more. A lot of those are repeating the same ideas. Or they're, you know, the eight-minute abs conversation. Well, we're going to be doing exchange, but we're going to do it, uh, our APIs are going to talk to each other a tenth of a second faster than the other guy or something like that. Well, that's not really something new. But when we do see new ideas coming out, that's when it gets interesting. That's when it's, okay, we're experimenting here. We're seeing how, what can we do with this technology? Where are the use cases? Where are the use cases where people are going to respond to it and actually want to participate in this token economy? Satoshi was a time traveler. He isn't around anymore. <laughs> excellent, excellent. He's a time traveler. He came back, made Bitcoin, and he's going to cash it out in like a hundred years. <laughs> excellent. Someone says the new owner of Coin Hive Network are scamming big websites. It is a big warning. They run Monero in the background. Monero's mind everywhere. I don't know what... Uh, I've never even looked into Hive Network. I know it exists, uh, so I really don't know the veracities of those claims, but always be careful out there on the internet, guys. There's a lot of BS going around, so keep that in mind anytime you look at any project. Anyway, we're going to see a lot of new use cases coming out for tokens over the next year. And speaking of time traveling, as we mentioned at the start of the show, for everybody who was in December wishing that they could have bought Bitcoin when it was at a lower price, we've time traveled, guys. We've time traveled. We're back there. <laughs> Luke O'Neill, what is your favorite privacy coin? I'm a big PIVX fan. They've got some fantastic technology and a fantastic community behind them. So um, that's that would be my favorite. But there's a lot of other great ones out there. Obviously, the things that Monero does are quite impressive as well. Okay. Antigua and Barbuda to set up a cryptocurrency exchange. Cool. This is another great example of these little countries actually coming in and saying, hey, the big countries, they're kind of back and forth, whatever. Like, let's all actually sit down and go, yo, let's try and make this happen. Let's get our little country together and try and attract businesses here. And that is, of course, going to be really great, I think, in the long term for any of these little countries. Obviously, Antigua and Barbuda, a bit late to the game. A lot of other countries are already going hard on this. We have Malta, we have Gibraltar, we have Slovenia and Switzerland and all the Baltic states. But nevertheless, welcome to the party, Antigua. Happy to have you here, of course. And an interesting one came across my desk earlier, too. 
is this. Sol Mayer aims to launch Capital's own crypto, establish better environment for blockchain startups. We already have a situation where cities are so immensely powerful. They're sometimes even more powerful or the power shifted towards them is so big it makes the rest of the country look kind of average as a result you might think for example about the immense financial power of new york city or the immense technological power of san francisco or you have a lot of countries where basically you have a single country state or a single city state so um for example in new zealand you know we've basically got three cities but really our biggest city has nearly 40 percent of the population so it's a massive financial engine for the whole rest of the country so the idea that some cities are actually going to be just developing their own solutions and their own um way of approaching crypto regulation is going to be really interesting and we might even see some cities like seoul for example of course it is a great uh, test bed for these kind of ideas to really come out and say hey we're gonna be the blockchain city of course tokyo probably is the absolute forerunner when it comes to being blockchain and cryptocurrency ready and to be the most uh, open for this technology even though we have seen some recent crackdowns in japan on for example some of the exchanges obviously that's why binance is deciding to move over to malta of course okay and last one here harvard economist sees a grim future ahead for bitcoin obviously before you even think uh, any farther on that idea, you should think back and think, wait a second. What's his angle? Has this been, has he been paid by the banks? A lot of academics do get those um, grants from these top organizations to go out and make salacious sounding headlines like this. He's saying that Bitcoin in 10 years is more likely to be 100 than 100 thousand dollars <laughs> beans bottom grim future ahead for harvard oh <laughs> uh, yeah harvard economists bought in at the highs this is the thing you have traditional money people who are central banker friendly we could say of course they're gonna come out and say that it's not gonna be good of course, the central banks are going to be against. And of course, all the people who are in that network of support are also going to be against it. So I'm not surprised when I see articles like this. It all comes back to it. Is this going to be a evolution for human society? Or is this going to be a situation where the central banks get to continue to define the way society is going to operate, to define our future? So... <laughs> Cole, have you ever bought crypto on credit? One time. One time. But uh, I paid it off very quickly thereafter. I was in a, a dip back in, goodness gracious, I don't know, a while ago. But I definitely not, don't recommend it. And certainly don't max out your credit card 
on it unless you know that you can pay it off in the next uh, couple of days or something like that. So. Grim, great, robust, impervious monies. <laughs> Seb Fox, I bought some Bitcoin December at 17k, then I traded it for altcoins and made good gains. It wasn't a bad time to buy if you did that. You did need to sell after that, though. Seb, you bring up some good points. And if you have the right kind of mentality, there's always an opportunity in the market. You know, my brother, he's got the absolute right mindset when it comes to this. Down market? Who cares? Still plenty of opportunity out there in a down market. And of course, just because the the market may be down, you try not to worry too much about that in the, the short term, guys. Because the underlying technology, the value of something like Bitcoin, it's big, guys. It's absolutely, absolutely big. Mount Gox coin releases affecting market to an extent. To an extent. That's inevitable when you have somebody come on and sell uh, $100 million of the Bitcoin at one time. It's going to affect the market. And there's a lot of things that are affecting the market, guys. And there's no one thing that you can just point to and go, ah, that's it. That's it, I found the golden grail here, or the holy grail of uh, what's affecting the Bitcoin market. There are a lot of different little things that come into play here. It's the media, it's the banks, it's the governments, it's whales, it's big money VC firms, it's all this stuff, guys, coming in together. That and a million other things. Remember, the markets and the prices in the market are a reflection to an extent of sentiment of people buying things in the markets. So, all things we brought in to play here. Litecoin top 100 wallets owned by 45% says Bitcoin Cash. <clears throat> that would be an interesting thing to look into. Often people look at the top 100 wallets and go, aha, it's massively centralized and there's only a few people that own all the Litecoin, for example. Well, are you accounting for the exchange wallets? Binance probably owns 5% of Litecoin right now because it's all in the Bitcoin uh, wallet that's owned by Binance, right? Coinbase probably owns 10% of Litecoin. That would just be my guess anyway, just uh, as far as those numbers. But that is a common misconception of people. They look at things and they think, oh my gosh, it's all these. No, it's actually a situation where it's usually the exchange wallets, guys, that have these big numbers of them. But nevertheless, Litecoin is a popular coin for whales because it's an awesome coin. Seb Fox, sorry for selling so much Bitcoin and driving the market down, guys. <laughs> there was a Greek island on sale in January that was too cheap to ignore. Well, you know, Seb, it happens. It happens. <laughs> we will forgive you for this one, Seb. I hope it's a nice island, though. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Cryptos are here to stay. Why pay the banks a fee to use my money? Kind of common sense. Absolutely native, Rob. When business, when more businesses realize how much money blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies can save them, it's going to go big time. Because imagine right now if you're a, a, 
a company and you're trying to do all these international transactions and stuff like this, you're spending a lot of money. They don't want to spend a lot of money. And if you're using, for example, Bitcoin as a transaction medium, then your actual exposure to the volatility of the Bitcoin market is very, very temporary, and you're not likely to see a 10% drop in five minutes. It doesn't really happen. In very rare situations, perhaps, but especially with Lightning Network, where things will be settled very quickly, you might only have exposure to the volatility for moments. And at that point, it provides a really great opportunity for people businesses in particular to be using these cryptocurrencies to save themselves a lot of money at the end. Why is Binance heading to Malta something to worry about? Absolutely the opposite. Binance is heading to Malta in order to maintain their position in the markets. They're doing it to stay ahead of the curve. They're seeing uh, exchange regulation coming in Japan, and they actually want to go farther. Binance wants to bring on, of course, fiat onboarding as well as develop their decks. And so Malta has presented itself as a very friendly place. Look, this is the second time Binance has moved. Binance used to be based in China, and then they moved out of China, and they've been in Japan, and now, of course, they're moving to Malta. So I'm not worried about that at all. I think it's actually a very positive thing for Binance to be jumping out. Are you into ontology? Well, into ontology as far as like I dig it, yeah, ontology is cool. I've been uh, reading a lot about it. I know, I know, I'm kind of late to the ontology game. I've, I've been knowing it's cool for a long time, but I didn't know all the reasons about why it was cool. But yeah, ontology is pretty cool, and I will be doing a review for you guys here in the probably the next day or so, so you can keep an eye out for that to come when it does. But ontology looks like a very promising project moving forward anyway so something to keep in mind anyway guys i think we're gonna go ahead and finish up there for today a great great conversation as always thank you guys for asking some really cool questions thanks for coming in and listening to me talk about blockchain and crypto for uh, you know an hour i really appreciate everyone who comes out and listens to live streams i really Love you guys for hitting up uh, hitting up that like button, of course, but for being part of the cryptocurrency community, for getting out there every day and trying to ignore the FUD and trying to find the underlying value of everything that's going on in this space. So definitely appreciate you guys. And of course, a big shout out to Mr. Harry Lasagna and Crypto Numbnuts for helping to keep the chat a clean and friendly place for everybody to participate in. So guys, it has come to that point. Long live the blockchain, and peace out till next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.